Hello and welcome to the Growing Green Podcast. Your host, Jeremiah Jennings, is the owner of Growing Green Landscapes in Birmingham, Alabama, and has a passion for growing the entrepreneurship community for those who are young in business. Being a business owner isn't easy, especially in the early years, and that's why in this show we dive into a wide range of topics covering all the challenges small business owners deal with. Even if your company is generating a million dollars or more, the stories from our great guest and Jeremiah's own firsthand experiences will propel your business forward. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode today here on the Growing Green Podcast. This is your host, Jeremiah Jennings, and we are very excited to be coming to you today with another guest interview. And this one's really fun because it's in person, and I love in-person interviews. Uh, You just get a lot more interaction, a lot better feedback, things like that. So we have Mike Parler, Alabama Roofing Professionals. Um, Mike is in our teamworks, our network group here, local to us, and um, known Mike for, what, two years now probably? I can't yeah. believe it's taking this long to do this. But, I know. Um, I guess a little over two years. Yeah. Crazy busy schedules. We know how life goes. <laughs> and you are uh, not the not, – you're not, you're not laying around on the couch. I mean, you're a pretty busy dude. So tell, yeah. us, about, tell us about Alabama Roofing Professionals and, and kind of how you got started and your journey because it's not – you haven't been doing it that long. No, not at all. Yeah, so tell, so, just tell us the story, man, of how you got to – how you built it. Yeah, well, it's kind of an interesting story because <laughs> my background is actually in office supplies, and I knew nothing about roofing at all. And uh, I guess we had a hailstorm come through here in 2016, and a friend of mine who owned a roofing company actually came to our house, did an inspection, kind of walked us through the process of getting our roof replaced. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, he mentioned, hey, if you know anybody in your neighborhood, they'll probably have the same type damage and and uh, so I hooked him up with a few people and that lived in our neighborhood. And uh, he actually got several of them as clients. And he came to me one day and he said, you know, you would have made about $6,000 in commissions had you sold these for me. And I'm like, uh, excuse me? Yeah. yeah <laughs> say, say that, that again. again. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically at that point, you know, I started working for him part-time. And um, we actually um, – he got involved going down South Florida, mm-hmm. uh, chasing hurricanes. Yeah, and just kind of put us in a bind up here. So I got in a situation where I was forced to either go to work for another roofing company mm-hmm. or start my own. Yeah, and I had owned my own company in the past in office supplies. I didn't at the time, but in the past I had, and so I just realized, you know, if I'm going to be doing all the work, I might as well just start Get my the own reward. Company. Yeah, and so. I left, had a couple of really good guys that came with me. Uh, I think two of those guys are still with me today. Wow. Uh, one is uh, my general manager, uh, Travis Lloyd, and then the other one. Oh, is, I didn't know Travis was with you there. Yeah. Like, so he's been with you from, from the, the beginning. From the beginning. Okay. Matter of fact, um, I introduced him to the same guy that I worked for, so he came on board as a salesman for that company mm. as well. So we had so known when, each other. So what was this? What year was this when you went out on your own? Uh, 2018. Actually, last week four was years. four years ago. Man, that's uh, crazy. That's no. like not that's not that long in the grand scheme of where you're at now. Like no, and so I um actually looked at it last week because I don't like to post a lot of stuff about yeah. personal for the company or mm-hmm. anything like that, or because you know some people look at that stuff and they think you're being braggadocious or whatever. Yeah. But 
in four years, we've done right at $20 million in residential commercial roofing. That's insane. Which I was, that it shocked insane, me. Yeah. It shocked me when I looked yeah. at it because, I mean, my plan was always to build it, you know, bigger. I mean, mm-hmm. my goal was to, to build this into a $100 million company. Yeah. And I think this year we'll do somewhere between 8 and 10. Yeah. So we got a ways to go. But even those numbers kind of put us as one of the largest you know, residential roofers, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the state. In the state, okay. How do you compare southeastern region? Is that something that y'all keep up with? Like, is that, how does that work? Like, do you uh, keep yeah. up with those? I'm a numbers guy. I keep up with yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one of our vendors puts out a, the top 100 roofing mm-hmm. companies in America, and that yeah. list actually just came out, comes out every August. And, you know, for two years in a row, I've been frustrated that, we're not on that list. Yeah. And we have ways to go. Yeah. But still, yeah, because, you know, our plan is to, we're actually getting licensed in Florida right mm-hmm. now and Mississippi, and uh, we've done business in Tennessee. And so our plan is to be a regional company yeah. like that. What What do you have to do? So, like, what's going to make you get on top 100? What is that? What is the revenue? Do you know? Yeah, so we missed it by about $4 million. So oh, I so you think, should be there next year then. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. The problem is, is the year before, if we would have done this kind of volume a year ago, year. we would have made the list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, so you know. the list keeps rising. Yeah, the too. list keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. But, and a lot of that had to do with, uh, with COVID yeah. because our industry was probably one of the few that just skyrocketed mm-hmm. during COVID. Really? You know, people were sitting at home. Yep. You know. About the only two places you could go was Lowe's and Home Depot. Yeah, literally. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so people were doing projects and looking at things, and, you know, that really – we had several big storms that came through that yeah. time, so. Pretty much anything in the service industry, I feel like, boomed. During COVID. Like, I think yeah. it, just, it just took off. I yeah, mean, it, it really did. It really took off. So, wow, that's a lot for four years. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it still blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, I still sometimes – Well, talk about why, why do you think you've been able to do that. And, and it's not – there's no braggadocious, like, none of that's going on on here because I'm a big fan of self-development and, yeah, and growing yourself. And I don't think you would have the company you have today if it wasn't for that, yeah. along with the team that you built around you. Right. And that, that's one thing that I hate is when people say, I built this, this is my company. You're not going to be album roofing professionals without Travis, without exactly. the team you have built around you. And I think you know that. I think oh, you're yeah. a big believer in that. So how And even you, now, like, when people ask me, I don't – I, unless they specifically ask me, I usually don't even tell them I own the company. Yeah, I'm, I'm a mem- uh, yeah. You know, because I just, I don't like, it's kind of one of those things, I like to see the company get the attention. Yeah. I don't necessarily want and to get the reward. attention. And that's your award. Yeah. Yeah. It's seeing the company do that. So, what do you think is, I mean, what are principles you think you've used along the way to help um, scale and grow like you have? I mean, build the team around you? Because it's it's hard. It's hard to find it's employees. It's very difficult. It's hard to find it's people to work difficult. with you. And we've gone through a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I think now we currently have probably about 30, a little over 30, you know, employees. Mm-hmm. And some of those are 1099, some are W-2. So, yeah. uh, and then we have subs, tons of subs that work for us yeah. that we, you know, give a lot of business to. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, the first thing that I think of is is personal development. Yeah. You have to be continuously growing. So I don't do as much reading as I used to, because reading books is hard, because usually by the time I sit down to read, I'm just ready to go to bed. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's right. So I listen to a lot, you know, on Audible, listen Mm -hmm. to a lot of, listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. 
and I'm continually trying to um, learn from people that have done more than what I've done. That's it. And even in our industry, like when we go to events, um, regional events, I'll sit down with guys that own companies that are, you know, 20, 30, 50 million dollars. Yeah. And just, hey, Pick what'd you brain. do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think other than that, you know, the second thing is probably not number two, it's probably more important, but on a, on a uh, group dynamic, I think having the right team. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said, it's not what I've done. Yeah. All I've been able to do is piece together a team, and then I don't even do all of that. So yeah. we found some really good people. You know, like I said, Travis Lloyd does our – he's our general manager. He runs a lot of the, the day-to-day. And then we have Alex Tejada, who runs our production side. Yeah. And so we kind of merged our two companies together, uh, I guess, about two years ago. Okay. And then we brought on a, a David Daly, who is our uh, commercial manager. So he's kind of taken off in our commercial division and done a great job. And we got a great office manager, you know, Angela Cook. And and um, we have David Aponte, who does, you know, our he does our project management. And then now we just have a ton of really good sales guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and our, our, our view on that has been, in the beginning, we would pretty much hire anybody. Mm. If you wanted to give it a shot, we'd train you. And we had that conversation about that the yeah. other day. <laughs> yeah. We had that conversation about that. Yeah. And then it got so hard because we don't, you know, we don't necessarily have the time yeah. to train everybody. So, you know, we've actually spent the last six months. Um, are you familiar with Grant Cardone? Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. we're. I'm a big, uh, big proponent of Grant Cardone. Are you a 10X guy? Yeah, I'm a 10X guy. All right. Uh, we actually, uh, one of the biggest investments we ever did when we first started was we used his sales training platform, mm-hmm. and all of our salespeople had to go through that platform. Yeah. And so... Did you pay it off for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. So it was um, an investment. Yeah, I mean, we pretty much doubled the side, our sales every year. No um, way. Now... Obviously, at the size we're at now, it's harder. It gets every year it gets harder to do that, but it's not impossible though. It's not impossible, but you know, one of the things that he teaches is that you really you have to set your goals really high. Yeah, you do, and yeah. you have to back up your goals with that 10x activity that he talks about. But we fell in love with the platform he uses, and mm-hmm. so we reached out to them and we purchased the platform, and so now we've been developing our own sales training not really sales training there's some sales training in it but our own uh our training platform yeah this is good and this is where i wanted to go so tell us more about about the training and how you're doing that implementing that yeah so when when we started the company um we felt like we need to develop a process for everything so when when we started we had worked at other companies and seen how we didn't want to do things. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we always ran into is there's no processes. Yeah. So we actually developed, it's actually not in here, but we have a process manual that we did paper first. Yeah. And so we began to realize that we give our new sales guys or new employees, these process manuals and they would not read them. Yeah. And so, you know, they'd sit in their truck or they'd sit at home and we'd never see them and we'd never get them back. So, um, we felt that 
if we could document everything that we do video-based, yep. then we bring in someone that doesn't know anything about roofing. We could teach them about the roofing side. And we design these videos to be anywhere from one minute to maybe three or four minutes. Mm-hmm. And so we can assign them, you know, on a weekly basis, 15, 20 videos that may take five, 10 minutes a night yeah. at max. Yeah. And then we get a report every morning that says such and such, watch the video, what their percentage of passing rate was. Okay. So if they fail a question, they have to retake the test. And then if they fail it again, they have to go back and rewatch the video. Okay. Yeah. And so just kind of, you know, cause a lot of times what happens is, you know, everybody's busy Everybody's multitasking when they're doing yep. stuff. So you're sitting there watching a video, and all of a sudden you get a test after it, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what do I do? What did I just what, watch? What was step five in our process? Yeah. And they're like, oh, gosh. So then they have to go back and rewatch it and yeah. pay attention. That's good so, accountability, I felt like. It does, and it, get, it lets us know. We can see what they did, how many questions they missed, uh, you know, if they how many times they had to go back and watch the video. How has that been received? Ha, are you making any current employees do it, or just on new on new new hires? Yeah, so everybody will have to do it. Okay, um, that's going to be a process. I yeah, feel like and see with the Cardone training, they were used to that because it yeah. was the same way. They would have to, everybody would have to watch two videos a day, and okay. so yeah. they would at the end of the ten o'clock in the morning, it sends us a report. You know who watched them and who didn't. Yeah. And so, you know, we're like everybody else. We're trying to figure out ways that we can motivate people. And so we would tie the training into if you didn't have a specific percentage mm-hmm. that you did, because things happen. So yeah. we would realize, hey, you know, for the week, there's two videos. That's, you know, 10 a week. You have to make sure you get 80% of them in. Yep. And if they got 80%, like if we have, if we announce, um, like we do a trip at, every year. We take our top sales guys. And we, last year we went to, this year we went to Jamaica. Okay. So one of the qualifications. It's not, it's not a small trip. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Um, so if, if they didn't have 80% passing rate mm-hmm. and they were in the top three, they couldn't go. So we set, we always, our training is always a requirement for yeah. any bonuses or incentives that we do. Yeah. No, I think that's huge. I think that helps with, I think it's going to help build your company culture and your environment that you have. Like it, it's right. going to, it's going to put in place what you want. Right. Like the structure you're wanting and they're not going to do it themselves. Yeah. Cause people, they won't do it themselves. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we just have to be honest. We live yeah. in a society today that, you know, you really, you can't force employees to do yeah. anything. Yeah. So it gets very difficult. What do you think if you're if you're looking, I mean, you're obviously, if you're scaling to $100 million companies, which you want to get to one day, you're going to hire a lot more people along the way. Yeah. A lot more people. Yeah. At this point, this is 2022, things will probably change in the future. But I think, I don't know, I think the basis of this, con- of this question is going to stay the same. Of What do you think the most important thing is you look at when you hire an employee? Well, most of our employees we hire are through referrals. Okay. So we try to get somebody that knows them, that's worked with them. Uh, we don't hire a lot of sales guys from other roofing companies. Really? We, we do have some, but mm-hmm. we don't go out and target other companies, salespeople. 
um, we, if they come to us, that's, that's one thing. Yeah. But, um, we really like to train them the way, because what happens yeah. is you mentioned team culture. Yep. Well, team culture is extremely important to us. Um, the first two years we were in business, we had to let go our top salesman two years in a row. Oh. And yeah, and that was my fault. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> I mean, you do everything to work with them. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, you know, we have a company, we have an image to protect. Yeah. And so it's hard as a as an owner to let go your top producer. Yeah, because I mean, the, the, the question runs through your head: What are we going to do next year? Yeah. What are we going to exactly. do tomorrow? Like, I mean, that's hard. And so then we got. That's when we kind of developed. We would we would actually hire multiple, you know, two or three salespeople at a time, hoping one of them would stick and one yeah. of them would be good. And so now we've kind of, we're a little bit more picky about who we, who we bring on board mm-hmm. because we don't want to disrupt that team culture. Yeah. And if somebody does, they're usually out of here pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that you probably built a team that's going to let you know that, like they're going to let oh, you yeah. know that you're not going to yeah. make the decision on your own. Yeah. They're going to be able to tell you, nah, he's, he's, they don't fit here. Yeah. yeah, and not only that, it's not just the people that work here. It's we start hearing from our vendors, mm. our suppliers. Yep. You know, you'd be surprised how many times I get phone calls and say, "Hey, such and such is here," and yeah, you know, he's buying shingles and he's paying with it with a credit card, and it's not one of our jobs, you mm. know. And so, really, yeah, kind of, it's a pretty. The, our industry is pretty tight knit. Yeah, because we all we have you know three main vendors that we all buy from. Mm-hmm. So you look out for each other then. Yeah, they do. Yeah. I get calls all the time and that's usually how it starts. We kind yeah. of know something's up. But. How do you handle, I feel like roofing is a somewhat, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's probably not too competitive, but I feel like it's somewhat competitive. I mean, what would you say? What did you, did you say it is competitive or, I mean, I know, I don't know. I mean, I know some other big companies around us. Yeah. So. I mean, it's it's very competitive. You They're, think it is competitive? Just in Birmingham, there's probably 250 roofing companies. Really? Okay, yeah. see, I didn't know that. I yeah. was thinking of like 10. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I did not know there was yeah. that many. And, you know. You, okay, so that I, is very competitive. I would say probably half of them are what we call, jokingly, yeah. chucking a truck or yep. one-man operations. No, we have those. Everybody yeah, has yeah those. like in your yeah. industry. I mean, I know a ton of guys that work, you know, part-time, and the rest of the time they're out doing landscaping and yeah it's Especially tough. in the back of a truck and yeah they're gonna be the cheapest guy on the block so and so we have to we have to combat that on a regular basis yeah. and so the way we do that is we try to show them the advantage of like for one we're a we're a master elite contractor with GAF mm-hmm. there's only five of them in our market I think there's only maybe 10 in the whole state wow so we can offer warranties that they can't offer mm-hmm and so that's one thing that sets us apart. Yeah. Uh, two is insurance. I mean, our insurance is outrageous. So. Oh, I, yeah, we had that conversation yeah. too. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Your insurance bill is not something that I won't have to sit there and write a check yeah. for. No, it's it's very frustrating. Um, but it's something we have to yeah, have. Yeah, you got to have it. And yeah. so a lot of these guys don't have insurance mm-hmm. or they don't have the proper insurance. Which is crazy. Like, yeah. they shouldn't even be allowed to operate. Come on. They should. Like, I mean. Yeah. So how do you handle that? That's where I was going with that question. How do you handle competition? Like, so for us, like we said, competition is a very real thing. I mean, there's a guy with a lawnmower on the back of his truck everywhere you turn. I mean, we'll right. go to 10 miles in Trustful here, and we'll pass 15 different long-term companies. Sure. So it's very competitive. But 
I've taken on the the aspect and the um, I don't I can't think of the word, but like the viewpoint of I don't view them as competition. Really, I view exactly. them as I, I want to elevate the industry, which it sounds like you're trying to do. You're mm-hmm. trying to get the right people around you and elevate your industry. You want to be those GAF certified companies. Those are the ones you want to run with, and right. you want to get more people to that level. I feel like sure. because that gets rid of the bottom feeders. Right. So how do you handle the competition and kind of build your company to where you're not trying to outbid somebody else or underbid somebody else to, yeah. to get a roof. Well, <clears throat> I think what you said is key. We don't, there's only about three companies that we really think of as our competition. Yeah. And, um, so what we have to do is, and we know we're not going to get every job we go to. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, we have some customers that, Hey, the bottom line is they don't care. Mm-hmm. They don't care if they have insurance or not. They don't care if, you know, guys that show up to put his roof on were hanging sheetrock last week. Yeah. And they just want the cheapest job. That's not the customer. It's not the customer. Exactly. Yeah. That's not the people you want to be dealing with. Yeah. So we, we try to go after, we try to set ourselves apart from those people. Um, I always tell our guys in our sales meetings, don't, we don't talk negative about another company. Yeah. We can point out, hey, look, they're not, they don't have this. They can't offer this type of warranty. We we try to take the high road and yeah. set ourselves apart from them. Yeah. And then another thing is reviews. I mean, we try to get every customer, you know, to go and put reviews because I think we have, I don't know the numbers exactly, but 50 or so, you know, Better Business Bureau reviews, which wow. is not many roofing companies that have that many. Yeah. On Google, we have hundreds of five-star reviews. Um Facebook, we have a lot of reviews that are all positive. I think we've only had two negative reviews yeah. since we've been in business. That's a pretty good ratio. Yeah, and yeah. it's not that we don't have issues, yeah. you know, because there are people that have given us a one star, yeah. and we'll reach out to them and say, hey, listen, what happened? You fixed the issue. Exactly. Yeah, where did we go wrong? What are you upset about? Yeah. And we've actually had customers go back and take that one star off and give us a five star because, one, we just – we fix whatever issue. Yeah, you follow it up. And sometimes, you know, we're all human, make mm-hmm. mistakes, but some of our sales guys may drop the ball. Yeah. But if it gets back to me or Travis, we generally do everything we can to get it resolved. Yeah. Even if it's at our own expense. Yeah, exactly. But that so. that's what builds the company, like, that you want. Like, yeah. you, don't, you don't want people – I don't know. I think one – one bad thing like that could end up tarnishing, tarnishing a company over the long over the long run. Like right. one one star review, that's not going to hurt you. But if one thing goes bad and then word gets out that that's how your company is, yeah, that could end up bad for you down the road. Sure. So, well, and like if you have five reviews and two of them are negative, that yeah. hurts you more that, than if yep. you have a hundred and twenty and two of them are negative. Then, yep. So. Yep. Exactly. So. That's good stuff. Marketing. That's a, this is a, this is something I want to, and I don't even know. Yeah. Do you even know much? I mean, do you handle your marketing at all? Or I know well, you outsource that through. A, yeah, we outsource a lot of it. No, yeah. we we do some in house. Yeah, and we do we do outsource a good chunk of it. How have you navigated those waters? Because like, how have you navigated how much to market? How much you want to spend? How do you create a marketing budget? I mean, yeah. those are all things that as you grow, marketing is a necessary evil. It's got to be done. You've got to do it, and you can't back off. Okay. I mean, there's been many times when. I mean, we spend, I want to say our number is about 6% of gross sales okay. on marketing. Yeah, that's about. So we spent about $300,000 last year on marketing. On marketing. Yeah. That's crazy. So you think about it, that's about 
that's about two weeks worth of our business mm-hmm. out of gone. every year that's just gone. Yeah. And so we, we you say it's gone, but it's not really gone because look at how much business it brings in. Right. Yeah. And so, so we like, track everything. Yeah. So like in our system, every job that's created, there's a one toggle that you have to go in that's mandatory when you set up any account. Mm-hmm. Where did we get that lead? Mm. So, you know, we can go back and look and see, because I just did a video on this yesterday, actually. Yeah. About a third of our business comes from door knocking. No way. And that's just, Still? That's just guys out there knocking doors, generating their own leads. Wow. And that's, that's probably the cheapest form of marketing mm-hmm. besides your time that we have. Yeah. And then obviously Google, Facebook, website, you know, that's a good chunk of it. But, mm-hmm. And then we do stuff on the radio, on Jocks and 99.5, so we get, those are very good. We do a lot with uh, Hewitt Trustful. Yeah. Uh, we local. sponsor the band. Yeah. Uh, we sponsor, we're a football um sponsor as well so how do you handle that as you as you expand into different markets how are you going to handle the marketing there because that's something that you're you're starting fresh like you're in a whole yeah. new area so i mean mississippi florida tennessee you said you're yeah. looking at getting those places how what is your game plan to to go about hitting those areas and growing i mean yeah so like i said everything we do we have a process <laughs> so the oh, first I, love thing, it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you grow a big company without having systems and processes though oh you have to yeah otherwise it's inconsistent exactly and you can't measure what your results are yeah so the first thing that we do is we start with google and facebook mm-hmm. um and then we'll do we'll make sure our seo you know has those locations We'll do some marketing buys as far as, you know, Google ads and things like that. Yep. Uh, we'll do some Facebook advertising. But then we do a lot of the free stuff you can do. Okay. So some of the stuff that we do in-house, and I would encourage you, if, if anybody that has a small, is a small business and they don't have a good marketing budget, mm-hmm. take advantage of what you can do for free and be very consistent. That's good. Because, like, you know, when we first started, we didn't have that kind of money. Yeah, for sure. You know? <laughs> and that's a lot of the guys listening to this show right now are the small business. They're newer yeah. in business. They're figuring out how do we even come up with a marketing budget. Like, yeah. It's crazy. So, so we had, um, like my wife, for example, um, she would sit there and join all of these Facebook groups. Like the What's Happening in yeah. Trustville, yep. What's Happening in Clay. And we would make sure we followed their rules. And most of them majority of them will allow businesses to post on Mondays. Yep. So she would sit down, I would sit down, and we would make sure that our Facebook posts were in all of those groups mm-hmm. on those Mondays. And then we developed a method to where if somebody saw our post, we would have our own internal group me's and say, hey, such and such just posted on our looking for a roofer. And so we'd have three or four guys and friends that we know, people in Teamworks, yep. go in there and recommend, you know, us on those individual threads. Yep. And so you can get a lot of free marketing and jobs that just come that really have no marketing cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing that we yeah. do. And then we try to get involved in networking groups. Yeah. So, so you're sticking to that. You oh, think yeah. That's a big networking groups are huge. Uh, one of our top sales guys, um, he gets anywhere from probably 400000 to a half a million dollars worth of leads 
every year just from networking. networking group. Wow. Yeah, out of this B&I group. Yeah. So we start with the Google. We start with Facebook. Uh, once we have a sales, you know, person or sales mm-hmm. people in place, we try to get them involved in some type of local networking group. And then we begin to reach out to people that can help us the most. Yeah. Uh, real estate agents, insurance agents, home inspectors, mm-hmm. uh, people along those lines that we can get, um, you know, a good chunk of of business from. Yeah. And like, you know, we have a mutual friend that's in the roofing industry. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy. He's one of the guys I have a, you know, tremendous amount of respect for. Uh, a large chunk of his business comes from from networking groups. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I and know. And so yeah. you got to have a strong presence. I yeah. think we have. Just talking to people. Oh, like, I know. Just, yeah. you, I'm sorry. It's going to be hard to be an introvert and be a business owner. If, it's if very are, difficult. If you are an introvert, you're gonna have to put on your big boy pants yeah. and go talk to some people you wouldn't want to have a conversation with. Yeah, like it's just you have to make those connections. Yeah, and then once we begin to you know get into those areas and we that area begins, we we set a price goal. Yeah. So if we start doing say three hundred thousand uh, to four hundred thousand a month on a ninety day basis, three mm-hmm. months in a row, then we'll start taking a little bit more of that money and sinking it into marketing. Okay. And so then we'll start reaching out to radio stations, um, organizations, you know, like for example, you know, in Trustville, we do a lot for Trustville football. Yeah. Um, So we would reach out to some of the larger, you know, organizations in those areas, depending on, on the year. Yeah. Um, We do a lot with the Birmingham Bulls. Like we're one of their sponsors this year. You, yeah. get in the, you need to get in there on the Regents Field. You need to go with the Barons. Oh, that'd be awesome! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. that'd be a good that'd be a good area down there. Um, this is this. I feel like we could talk two hours on this stuff. I want to backtrack a little bit. So we've caught up to where today is. Backtrack to the beginning and hiring in the beginning of what did that look like? What did hiring your first couple employees? Because, like I said, a lot of guys listening are the. Ten thousand dollars to two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollar business, like not huge companies, but we're on that stage of like hiring that first guy, maybe maybe getting out and starting sure. a second crew. Like, how did you do that? And you're obviously a numbers guy, you're a yeah. process guy, so you had a plan behind it. Like, right. you had, you, I know you didn't just well, I think it's time to hire somebody. Let's just hire them. Yeah, like you knew you had some type of system in place to do that. What did that look like for you, hiring those first couple sales guys and getting into where you're running multiple crews at that point uh, right. and things like that. Well, and that's a that's a good question, uh, and that's one that's constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, now, in our industry, most of our sales guys are commission only. Okay. So that's that always is a benefit. Yeah. So we were in business almost two years before we had a full time salary non productive salaried person. Okay. And so. What we ended up doing was we went through a lot. We churned through a lot of people yeah. that just couldn't either work on commission mm-hmm. or started all strong and, you know, then just kind of went downhill. Yeah. Um, but I had – the one advantage I had is I had three guys come with me. Yeah. And so all of them were straight commission. And so – and we were all in the industry. And we're yeah. all really good. Yeah. I mean, Two of them were better than me, yeah. you know, and one of them's no longer with me, but <clears throat> they were able to really hit the ground running and hit it hard. 
um, when it got down to where we were hiring people, we had to look at it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I don't like to micromanage people. Yeah. Um, but when you're hiring people, if you're starting off and you're, you don't have the capital, you have to micromanage. Yep. We had too many people that we didn't, and basically it would have been the same as me driving down Queenstown and just throwing money out the window. Really? Because that's about what you get. Mm. You have to have a way to keep them, um, to know what they're doing. Accountable. Yeah, account- yeah. yeah, great. But and the challenge is when you have 1099s and W-2s, it's hard because 1099s are subcontractors, so mm-hmm. they kind of you can't really hold them to the same level of accountability as yep. you can. This that's a W two. Mm-hmm. So I guess as a company, you have to decide which route do you want to go. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know non-producing uh, people that are just in-house staff have to be W two. But on ten ninety nine, you can. You can still put some requirements on them, mm-hmm. but if they don't follow them, then you can just cancel your contract with them yeah, and, move, and move forward to somebody else. But I think that, to me, that's probably the hardest thing that, you know, in our industry is mm-hmm. finding good quality salespeople. Now, yeah. <clears throat> on the subs, all of our subs are independent contractors, so we had enough subs to do work. Yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, I mean, the best answer I, I know is you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. Just don't make them. When you feel it's going to be a mistake, don't let it linger on. Yeah, nip fix in it the quick. bud early. Yeah, quick. Fix it quick. That way you don't have, you know, all this capital that you've put out and gotten nothing for. When did you hire your first non-income producing, like, office staff or whatever position it was? At what, at what revenue point? Yeah, so we were probably doing – uh, close to two million a year. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> and that first person that we hired was our office manager. Okay. And that's probably the best decision that that we've ever made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine how much time that freed up. Yeah, because I mean, basically, I mean, I was doing the accounting, marketing, all the paperwork. God. You know, all that on my own. So I'd be working during the day, going home at you night. Didn't have time to sleep. Yeah. No, it was. It was very yeah. frustrating, and it's real easy. You know, the, the best answer I could say is if, if you're starting on a tight budget, uh, Grant Cardone says this, hire people to do the things you hate. Yeah. Because if you hate them, you're going to suck at them. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> and so if like the accounting side, my background's in accounting, so mm-hmm. I hated doing it, but I knew how to do it. Yeah. So, you know, I see more small companies get in a bind because they don't keep up with their finances, yeah. they don't keep up with their QuickBooks their or whatever taxes. they taxes, things like that. Yeah. And those are the things that can, you've got to know what your profitability is. A hundred percent. I think so, too many people go on before for years and years before they know that. Oh yeah. And then it's too late. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're just turning cash flow at that point. Like you're not, if you, what is the point in running a $10 million company if you're taking home $30,000 at the end of the year? Like yeah, that, and I, I personally know a guy in the green industry grew a multi-million-dollar company at the end of the year, lost money. Yeah, lost money at the end of the year, and he got his processes, and now he's he's they grew a massive company. He's hyper profitable. Yeah, turned it around, but it's like they got to that point. How sure. did that even happen? Yeah, they didn't have the right team around them. They didn't have the right team, or the people they had in place weren't doing their job. And, and I want to take so let me. I, I kind of want to. I love that quote about hire people. To do things that you hate. Let me add something to that and, and see how you feel about this. 
I think you need to hire people that like to do the things you hate to do. That's exactly right. You yeah. can't <laughs> hire people that hate to do the things you do. Yeah. You hate to do. Because, like, we have another mutual, uh, guy who has a hardscape company in this industry, and his wife was doing all the accounting and the bookkeeping in the business. Mm-hmm. He hates it. So does she. Yeah. So they, she, he was just pushing off to her. But it wasn't getting done correctly because she hated it just as much as he did. Yeah. So you got to find somebody that that likes to do the things that you hate to yeah. do. And yeah. now you've created two problems. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So when you do find that person, make sure they like it. This is good. I know we got a hard stop here coming up. I got three questions to go out here with. Pretty right. simple. Pretty easy. The first is, what do you think the hardest thing is in the in, in owning your own business? What do you think the hardest thing that's it's that has come on to you in this journey of this whole process of growing, scaling, is it people, is it money, is it cash flow? What is it along the way? Well, entrepreneurship, the hardest thing in entrepreneurship. Well, I think one is, I'm going to answer that two ways. One is definitely dealing with people. You have to master dealing with people. Yeah. Whether it's customers, employees, vendors, subs, whatever it is, you, you have to, you have to be able to, Step back sometimes, swallow your pride, mm. hold your tongue, and just, you know, learn how to deal with people. Yeah. The second thing is cash flow. I mean. Really? I see so many people that start a business, and next thing you know, they're driving around in a brand new, you know, 3,500 mm. or 2,500 yeah. truck thinking they're going to make all this money, and they can't manage their cash flow, and a year later, they're done. Yeah. And, um. You know, <clears throat> I've never bought a new vehicle in my whole life until last year. Except that one that's sitting out there <laughs> yeah. right now. Yeah, and, you know, finally, right. it's like about most of my sales guys, you know, drove nicer trucks than me, and you know, and I'm okay yeah. with that. It's I not a, a it, it's not a knock to them, but why do you think you're the one? And, and it's the owner now. And why do you think you're the one now driving around in a 2022 well, I dream just, truck? Yeah, like, I mean, because I guess to answer that question, you sacrificed. You, yeah, you sacrificed, but you also have to. You know, wait, just wait your time. Yeah. And I drove a 2007 Tundra, which you've seen. Yeah. You know, no, that was the thing. That that's how, that's the truck. Mike Parler that I know. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one that I remember seeing yeah. that thing drive up. And and it used to, it used to always surprise me because, you know, I'd never met Sam Walton. Mm-hmm. I actually had a, a friend of mine who was an attorney and his partner was married to one of his daughters. Okay. Yeah. And it's true what they say. I mean, here's a guy who's a billionaire who could buy anything he wanted yeah. that drove around and just a modest beat up pickup truck. Really? And so if you believe in yourself and you believe in your company, don't rush it. Yeah. Just, just wait, be patient, mm-hmm. build, you know, build your company and then the other things will, will come. will come. So hardest thing there, let's transition now into what are some of the rewards that you've seen? And I think we just spoke about one. I mean, yeah. You got a new truck. You, I mean, you get to treat yourself there. But what are other rewards, monetary or taking vacations, the the life you get to give you and your kids, your wife now? Like, what yeah. are the rewards of, I mean, that you've worked so hard for for the last four years? Well, <clears throat> Kat and I, one of the things we love is to travel. Yeah. And so I remember, geez, for parts of my life, five, six, seven years without going and taking a vacation. Yeah. You know, or maybe maybe taking a long weekend or something like that. And, and that was a reward. Yeah, that was, yeah, 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 yeah. And so, like, now, you know, my, we have six kids. Um, all of them except one are over 21. So they never got to experience those things mm. when they were kids. Yeah. So now we make sure every year we take all of the kids 
on a family vacation. Yeah. You know, because, and now they look at it and say, hey, you know, I'm really glad we could do this because mm-hmm. we couldn't do it, you know, yeah. when they were little. And so travel's probably our best thing. We, I know some of the, some of my people that, that work here get aggravated at me during the summer because we'll probably take two or three trips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's why we, that's why we did this. A- you know, absolutely. to be able yeah. to do it. That, and that's what it's about. Like, it's, it's tough. People look at, people look in and they're like, oh, well, there's Mike with all the money and the new truck and the nice office and this and that and the other and the trips. But they don't know all the stuff that goes on, on the backside. Like, yeah. all, all the blood, sweat, and tears you've probably put into this thing at night. Yeah. Those two years of being your own bookkeeper and accountant and keeping, staying up at night, not, not getting to go on trips. Oh, yeah. Like, most Saturdays and Sundays, I'm here. Exactly. At, well, not every, but at least, you know. A couple yeah. hours every other Saturday and yeah. Sunday I'm here, and sometimes I'm here till 7, 8, and 9. And yeah. They just, there's, if, if you're starting your company and you're new, I, in my opinion, I think with the younger generation, and I'm 53, so, you know, I'm a whole different generation. But yeah. I see so many younger kids that, one, don't want to work for someone else. They think it's demeaning. Mm-hmm. They want to be... um a YouTube star or something yeah. like that. They want to, they want to create this following or be yep. an influencer or whatever. But I don't hear many of them talking about working hard. Mm. Nothing comes easy. Yeah. No matter what you do, if you want to be an influencer or a YouTube yeah. star, you're going to have to work your butt off to get those followers. Yep. It's not just going to fall in your lap. Yep. If, if you don't want to work for somebody, you're going to have to work for yourself harder than you would ever work for somebody else. Yeah. And that's what people don't get. I've heard it said, you be an entrepreneur to quit working 40 hours a week and start working 80. Oh, yeah. Like, that's And what a lot do. of people's mindset's the opposite. Yeah. They want to work as little as possible and get the most maximum out of it that they can. Yeah. And that just doesn't happen. They won't be around in three years. They won't. Yeah. Two years. Maybe, maybe yeah. even a year. <laughs> like, it might not even last three years. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good stuff. Last question we asked to try to ask all of our guests this. It's pretty simple, but it can be complex. Uh, it's... What is your why? Well, that's good. Um, <clears throat> I have quite a few. Um, I'm a big goal setter. Mm. So I believe my whole life, ever since college, I believed in setting your goals. I usually try to do it every year, just kind of go back and revamp them. I continually look at them on a weekly basis. And you have to have something that you're shooting for. Mm-hmm. So my why is, I, one, I love to help people. I think our industry is one where we're able to help people that are in need. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned travel. That's one thing that we love. And I guess the one side of me that might be a little bit um, egotistical mm-hmm. is I want to build something big. Yeah, that's I want. I feel like if, if I could get this company to 50 or $100 million dollars, you know, our ultimate goal is to franchise this, mm-hmm. which we're in the process of making those franchise plans now. Um, I want to build something that will outlive me. Mm. And so something that if my kids wanted to do this, it's already there. It's built. It's ready yeah. to go. And so I guess that's probably the main thing. And, you know, one of my goals, I'd love for my alma mater to have me come back and speak at a graduation. That's, you know, those, yeah. those are just things that, that it's not a big why, but, you know, I just feel like it's something that I look at and when things 
get down or when I get down, which, you know, you're going to go through that when you're on your own business. Mm-hmm. I just say, you know what? If I'm going to achieve these things, I've just got to stay the course. Yeah. That's what you turn to. Yeah. <clears throat> when you get to go those hard points. And I think, I think honestly, the best thing you said in that last, that last answer there is you want to help people. And, yeah. and all those other things are good. Those wise are good. But every business that I think ever has existed is out there to help people. That's what you do. Yeah. That's what a business owner does. It's like, we're here to solve a problem for somebody. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the, uh, I don't I think that's the, the character that you have. The, I think it's a great motivator um, is to help people. Yeah. And I, I respect that a lot out of you and every other successful business owner out there, I think just has that mentality about. Them. Yeah. So. Well, and the ones that don't, you have to be careful. Yeah. I mean, that's Those just are the, the ones bottom gonna, line. Yeah. You know. They're going to bite you. Yeah, man. Well, that's good stuff. You have anything you want to any any words of advice or wisdom you want to leave anybody with besides what you've already dropped today? <laughs> well, I always I think I probably already said everything I'd want to say. I, I, I just I just want to say this again. You know, if you're wanting to start your own business, um, I can't remember who it was, but you have to be prepared to fail. Mm. You are going to fail. Yeah. Now, whether that means you fail immediately or you're failing somewhere down the road you're not going to get it right the first time yeah. no matter what you do so um most multi-millionaires it's usually their sixth or seventh business yeah that gets them over the top and so you know and that may that could be anything from you know i know people that do success and multi-level and all kind of other businesses that they start but it's it's just being able to realize you're going to fail at some point. Mm. And if you do, it's okay. Yeah. Learn from it and continue on. How do you react to that failure? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's good stuff, man. Well, we're, if, if somebody wanted to see about Alabama Roofing or maybe reach out if they had a question or something about maybe, because I know people have dreams of scaling. I mean, if they, sure. if they ever had a question to reach out, how could they get in touch with you? And, and not your personal phone number if you don't want to give that out, but maybe a website or somewhere for them to get in contact with you. Yeah, I mean, you can all, they can always call the office, uh, 722-ROOF. That's okay. 205-722-ROOF. Uh, or go to our website, alroofpros.com, yeah. Facebook. I mean, I'm pretty accessible. Yeah. I may not answer immediately, but I'll yeah. definitely call you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, that's awesome. And that's <clears throat> that's one thing that I think I respect the most about people who have larger companies. Like, it, it's not a it's not a secret. You have a large company. I mean, you just said $10 million is what you're going to be. Is that what, Didn't you say that? We've talked about so many yeah, things. We'll, yeah, we'll 10, do between 8, eight to eight 10, 10 this year. So yeah. you're looking at a $10 million company like – I think so many business owners, when they get to a million dollars or five hundred, they're like, "Oh, I'm better than you. I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah. I'm not going to talk. I, I'm I'm too I'm too busy. I'm too I can't get I can't make time for this." Right. And that's one thing I respect about you the most is like we threw this thing together thirty minutes before we did the yeah. podcast. And like, <laughs> and I know people have busy schedules, but like, sure. if, if a ten million dollar company business owner can figure out a way to fit this podcast in, then like people. Other business owners can figure out how to help people sure. and, and take five minutes to respond to a message or something. Yeah. So that, that's what I respect. One of the things I respect the most about you and everybody else out there. So reach out to Mike if you have any questions. I know, I mean, he's a great resource of knowledge to uh, help you grow and scale there. If you did enjoy today's show, leave us a five-star rating interview on the podcast. And uh, those really help. It really helps boost us. Like we already talked about reviews, like how, yeah. how beneficial they are. And, and it boosts us to a bigger community. So when people do search business entrepreneurship podcast, We'll come up there uh, in the top 10. But, Mike, thank you for coming on today, man. I appreciate you. Awesome, time. man. Yeah.
Absolutely. I appreciate your time as well. And I know you've got a phenomenal business and looking forward to hearing about your growth and success yeah. as well. Yeah, so. man. Thank you so much. Well, guys, that's going to wrap this one up. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. And we look forward to catching up with everybody here on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Growing Green podcast. It is an honor to have you listening, and we hope you receive valuable advice to help take your business to the next level. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you'll be notified when our next episode drops.